Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, a a woman named Rose Crawford, she had been blind for 50 years. I just can't believe it, she grasped. As the doctor lifted the bandages from her her eyes after her recovery from a delicate surgery in an Ontario hospital, she, as you can imagine, wept for joy for the first time in her life, a dazzling and beautiful world of form and color, greeted eyes that were now able to see. The amazing thing about this story, however, is that 20 years of her blindness, well, it had been unnecessary. You go, what do you mean? Well, she didn't know that there were surgical techniques that had been developed and that an operation could have restored her vision at the age of 30. The doctor said, quote, she just figured, listen, there was nothing that could be done about her condition. Much of her life could have been different. I think about that for just a moment. Can you imagine? For 50 years, she was blind. But 20 years earlier, she could have gotten this surgery. She just figured there's nothing that, there's nothing that can be done. And so I'm reading this article and I'm thinking there's a couple of questions that come to mind. And you go, Pastor, like what kind of questions? Well, I, w- I would think it's something like this. Why did she continue to assume that her situation was hopeless? I think that's a very good question. How about this one? Had no one ever told her about the wonderful advances in eye surgery? You guys with me? If you've ever, if you've been at Calvary Chapel for any length of time, you've heard Pastor So's testimony of how many years that he walked in the world without anybody telling him about Jesus. I mean, how, how, how does this happen? How could this woman go for 50 years and there was, there was a solution? There was, wait a minute, you could see this is important. This isn't just like, hey, I've got a hangnail and I didn't know if I could get it fixed or not. This is her eyes. And 20 years earlier, she could have seen. No one told her. She assumed her hope, her situation was hopeless. And then I thought of John chapter 9. How many people, guys, will, will go on living in moral blindness unless we bring him, them to the Savior? Millions will never know anything but spiritual darkness because no one shared with them the light that has come into the world. You see, here's what you don't know. While you were in here worshiping, a fella comes running into our church, head cut, bleeding, obviously running away from the police. Jeremy pulls him aside and begins to minister to him. What do I need, he says, as he's waiting for his ride to escape. We look at him and we say, you need Jesus. You need the Lord. You need to quit playing around. Obviously, there was a domestic dispute. There was some, there, I don't know what happened. All I know is this young man was in our church just a few minutes ago, and we had one, but one opportunity to tell him about Jesus. 
His question to me was, what do I need to do? I led him in a prayer to receive Jesus. Now, whether he accepted the Lord and is going to change, that's between him and God if he's born again. But the only thing we could do was help him out of spiritual darkness. I don't know. He might have been 20, 25, 30 at the latest, running all of his life in the same spiritual darkness that he's grown up in. There's a better way, folks. There's a better way. You see, millions of people will never know anything but spiritual darkness because other people aren't willing to share the light that has come into the world. And they, like this lady, are saying, why is she continuing to assume that her situation was hopeless? Now, if you recall, go with me, guys. In your minds to John chapter 8, right? The Feast of Tabernacles has just finished. Now, if you're taking note, we're about six months away from the cross. You go, Ben, we just celebrated the cross and the resurrection. I know, but we're going back in time, okay? We're six months away. Jesus is about six months from going to the cross and dying for our sins. The Feast of Tabernacles had just finished. The water ritual with the priests were done. The torches were put out on the final day. The crowd goes home. Jesus goes to pray. Early the next morning, he gets up. He comes back to the temple. As he begins to teach, you guys remember, the doors are open, sprung open wide. They bring a girl half naked, and they throw her at the feet of Jesus. They, we caught her in adultery. And they interrupt the service as they bring this young woman. I could imagine this woman's plight. This woman is humiliated as she's thrown in front of everyone in the temple. It's bad enough that if she was caught in the, in the city, she could run, she could hide. But now she's in the midst of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Humiliated, guys. Perhaps betrayed by somebody she trusted. Perhaps she manhandled and she comes into the church service, if you will, in front of everyone. But I love what our Savior tells her in verse 10 and 11. When Jesus raised himself up, it says, and saw no one but the woman. He said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Where are they? Where is everybody pointing the finger? She says, he says, has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus says this, the greatest words we will ever hear, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. That's a good place for an amen. Why? That's what Jesus tells us. That's what Jesus tells every one of us when we are caught in the bondage of sin and can't find our way out. That's what Jesus tells us when we're caught in the bondage of spiritual darkness. Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. I felt so condemned. I felt so unworthy. And my Lord and Savior says, no, no. Go and sin no more. Yeah, you're okay. You're saved. But what I want to focus on is what he says in verse 12. Okay? All of this disruption comes in. The woman taken. And then he says to the people, verse 12, he says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You go, Ben, why do you keep saying that? Because it's so significant to what he's saying. 
There are many people trapped in darkness and we have the light of the world. And he says, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. How many of you follow Jesus? You go, I do. You have the light of life. You know the light. You know the right path. And there he is. And Jesus at this point is making what? The second of the seven significant I am statements. He says, I am the light of the world. But now we need to chat for just a moment. Why? Let's talk about light for just a second, okay? Light, lighting, light. Think about this. We physically and emotionally need light. Every one of us. Man cannot thrive or even survive without light. Wouldn't you agree? How many times, like, like I get it. There's some people who love clouds every single day. I need light. I've got to have the sun. I don't mind clouds. I don't mind when it rains. But man, my heart skips a beat when I wake up and there is sun. Now, now there's people go, sunshine again? And they don't like it? I need it. I need the light. I thrive on the light. I get the vitamin D. I'm excited about the light. And when it comes to spiritual light, one thing we discovered in John chapter 8 is many people are blinded by the light. They're blinded. You go, what do you mean? Well, spiritual blindness, guys, can happen when we refuse to put our faith and trust in Jesus. Can I get an amen? Spiritual blindness can happen, guys, when we try to read God's word without the help of the Holy Spirit. We've had that happen, too. We've had people go, I don't understand. You guys know the story, right? It was last year. I was out on a daily jog. Now, I know you're going, you jog? Don't judge me. So I was out on a jog, and I was running down, and I looked down, I saw a piece of paper. I picked it up, and it was a love letter. It was a love letter from a young man to a young lady. Oh, how he couldn't wait to go home and be with her, blah, 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 right? It meant nothing to me. Why? Because I was reading what? Somebody else's mail. It wasn't for me. Now, had Natalie wrote that letter... And she gave it to me. It would be a whole different story. Why? Because Natalie loves me. But this, oh, that's sappy. I don't understand. What do you mean? And that's a lot of people, guys. They're, they read this without, without the Holy Spirit, and they're reading somebody else's mail. You see, the Bible tells us that we're born into sin, which basically means that each one of us are born with a tendency to want our own way and live independently without God in our lives. Isn't that true? I want to do things my own way. I want things my way. If I could just have things, why don't you just do things my way? My way is the good way. And, and we understand that. But as we grow up this way, the problem is our spiritual eyes are so accustomed to the darkness of sin that now when God sheds his light, the word hits us, well, it has a blinding effect has a blinding effect. You see, the light's there, but instead of helping us, it has a blinding effect. Well, as we come to John chapter 9, it was Dr. Keith Wagner who once wrote, quote, most people see the healing of the blind men as a miracle. Jesus makes a mud pack, puts it on the blind men's eyes, and told them to go wash in the pool of Siloam. 
Amazingly, then he was able to see. Once again, Jesus enabled the blind man to see an event which confirmed Jesus was, in fact, the Son of God. It was a, what, Josh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a man calls up and just literally pours into Josh that Jesus was not God. Josh couldn't get a, uh, I mean, this seriously, Josh could not get a word in edgewise, and he's just like, sir, can I, t- sir, can we, and he just was like, Jesus, and now the Bible, he's going he's gonna to show us once again in the Gospel of John that he's God. Why don't you believe that? Because the, he was spiritually blind, wasn't he? Do you realize the implication of the gentleman? Do you realize what he's saying? If he doesn't believe in God, how is he going to find his way to heaven? If he doesn't believe in Jesus as God, then what sacrifice? What great exchange is he going to receive in order to find his way to heaven? You see, for every one of us in this room, we've opened up our heart. We invited Jesus. He should be the Lord of our lives. He should be the one directing us and guiding us. He should be the first one we think about in the morning. He should be the one we talk to all day. And he should be the last one we say to good night. Our Lord, our God, God that created us. However, however, there's a lot more going on in these verses, guys than just a miracle. If you're taking note, jot this down. If you don't mind writing in your Bible, it's a story of faith. It's a story of faith. Put that down there. This is faith. It's faith that will become clear when you consider everything the man born blind had to overcome. Oh, sure, he is really the main character. But what John wants us to see today, guys, is to have our vision restored. He does that by presenting this story with several other characters. See, the blind man, yes, is the main character. Jesus is showing that he is God. We know that. Amen. We're following Jesus. We're his disciples. But we also know that he is also what? Guys, he is also walking, and he's and, and there's other characters in here. There's other characters John wants to show us. Okay? There's other characters whom the problem is they suffer from spiritual blindness. You go, they do? Yeah, you don't have to take note if you got a bulletin because I'm calling this message spiritual blindness versus vision restored. Spiritual blindness. And the main question is, which one are you? You go, what do you mean which one are me? Which is happening to you? Okay, Jesus said he is the light of the world and we go, amen, he's the light of the world. Yet, the problem is, is that same light can have a blinding effect. Your attention, please think about the young man who entered our building early this morning. Those of us in here have, what, vision restored. We have the light. We know who Jesus is. Oh, our lives aren't perfect, but boy, we know, and we have peace that surpasses understanding. We try to avoid conflict. We try to avoid things that are going to hurt us and hurt other people. That's what we do because of Jesus. Other people, guys, they don't have their vision restored. They're spiritually blind. And they're trying to do this life by themselves with their own intellect and their own understanding and their own conscience to guide them. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. So today... There are many who are still walking in spiritual blindness. In your mind, think about who you know that's not saved. Think about many people who you go, my heart breaks because they don't know. Could it be a son, a daughter, a friend, a sister? 
a mom, a dad, a cousin, or even just a good friend. Lord, what do we do in this situation? Well, here's my prayer. My prayer is that God could use someone like us so that they could see soon once again. So that they could see. See, there are also those who have their vision restored. They were what? They were born in darkness and sin, and yet what happened to them? They became born again. Do you remember when you became born again? Do you remember when you put your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time? Do you remember that? Do you remember how you felt? Do you remember how the continents of your face changed? Do you remember how you were smiling and you had no idea why you were smiling? Do you remember how you had joy inside? Your life didn't change automatically. The good didn't be, the bad didn't become good overnight, but you knew that something was different. You knew that something had taken place inside. You knew that you were part of a bigger thing. You were part of a family. And that's exactly what John wants to show us. And I think of the song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, help me, but now I see. All right, church, if you're taking notes, right, jot this down, okay? I love that. Why? I want our church to be a church that takes notes. You go, why do I have to take notes? Because literally, guys, when we hear a sermon, we only remember about 10%. And if you can take some notes that, that speak to you, that, that I mean, you have to write everything down. There's some people who are really good at school. They write everything down, and I'm like amazed. But maybe there's something that you just need to, oh, I like that point. Oh, I like that point. Oh, I like that point. Okay, jot these down. These are going to be the points, right? These are the characters that I call, these are characters who were not looking too good. Okay, they weren't looking too good. You go, who are they? Number one, we're going to see the disciples. The disciples right now aren't looking too good. You go, what do you mean? Well, they suffered from the blindness of theological ineptness. They suffer from the blindness of theological ineptness. You go, these are the disciples? Yeah, that would be you and I at times. You go, why? Because we weren't born saved. I don't care if your mama gave birth to you at church, on the pew, there you were, you still came out a sinner. And so we are part of those disciples, but but we've seen the light. Number two, we're going to look at some characters, guys. Um, How about these characters? The neighbors. The neighbors. You go, the neighbors? Yeah. Jot this down. They were blinded by denial. They were blinded by denial. And then we're going to see the Pharisees. The Pharisees suffered from the blindness of righteous indignation. Righteous indignation. And then you have number four. You have the man's parents. They suffered from the blindness of selfishness. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The blindness of selfishness. Now, we're going to see them next week. And then, and then fifth, guys, we're going to see the crowd. The crowd, okay? They suffered from the blindness of rejection. The blindness of rejection, okay? So, this week, guys, we're going to see the first two groups, okay? We're going to see the disciples and the neighbors. Next week, we're going to talk about the Pharisees, the men's parents, and then just the general crowd. Everybody got that? So, it's going to be a two-parter. 
and but we can't fit it all in one unless we move really, really fast. So let's begin in verse 1, okay, of chapter 9. It says this, now Jesus passed by. He saw a man who was blind from birth. Your attention, please. You and I are walking with Jesus. We're his disciples. Jesus walks by. We walk by. We're hanging out with Jesus, okay? Man, what a great place to be, right? We're his disciples. We know that we're not going to go hungry because Jesus can take a, a few fish and a few loaves of bread and we get to eat till we're full, right? We get to eat till we're, we're golden corral full or a buffet full, whatever it might be, where you walk out and you're like, I can't eat another bite. We love Jesus. He also walks with us and he talks with us and he imparts amazing wisdom and we are growing leaps and bounds, okay? So in verse one, it says, now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Now, here's what I want you to see. In our context, we note that Jesus and his disciples had probably passed this guy before. They've probably seen him. They've seen a lot of beggars. I'd like some change, sir, please. I'm, and, and this guy's blind, and they've probably seen him. But today was different. You go, why is today different? Because maybe they thought, well, let's engage our master by asking him a philosophical question. Could you imagine the disciples walking and they're going, we, let's engage the master. Let's ask him a philosophical question. You go, what's a philosophical question? Well, it's relating or devoted to the study of the fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and existence. That's what philosophical means. You go, our disciples did that? Yeah, note their question in verse 2. And the disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Okay, guys, I want you to feel the weight of what's being asked. Feel the weight of it, okay? You and I were walking with Jesus, and we look to our Lord and Savior, and we say, Jesus, you see this man right here? Who, who sinned, him or his parents? They're asking a philosophical question. Now, here's, here's my thought. My thought is if I have seen Jesus work miracles... I don't know if my question would actually be, Lord, who sinned? Why is he blind? Or I would say, Lord, could we help him see? But today's a little bit different. Today's a little bit different. They ask a question. Lord, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Now, let me give you two schools of Jewish thought, okay? Why they would ask this question. You need to understand the context. You go, what's that? The first school of thought, people believe this question is based upon popular assumption that some sin prior to birth was responsible for congenital blindness. The idea that was circulating at the time came from pagan sources which held to reincarnation. So that's going around in the Jewish circles too. Nothing new today. Nothing new today. So they've heard that somewhere they've lived, they've visited the market street, and so they know, they hear this, and so Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, right? Now here's what they heard and believed. If a person sinned in a previous existence, he might be reborn into a new life on some sort of affliction or punishment. 
Now, what we need to know and what we need to understand, and you can't leave here without understanding, this was very prevalent to the first century, yet no scripture lends credence to this idea. We don't believe in reincarnation. We don't believe we're going to die and come back in another shape or form of something else with some sort of affliction. That was the idea that's going around. It's just a school of thought. I'm not saying the disciples thought that, but maybe that's why they asked that question. Why was he born blind? Is this part of something his parents did or something he did in a previous life? It doesn't say that, does it, church? But that's the thought. Let me give you the second Jewish thought. The second Jewish thought is this question is based upon that this man's parents had sinned and he unfortunately reaped the consequences for their sin in his blindness. Now, we do know that's a real possibility. You go, what do you mean? Well, in many cases of congenital blindness, they have been caused by venereal disease. And so as you as you had sex with someone and you contracted this disease and then you had slept, maybe you were married. And I mean, that's how people, oh, okay, well, it's because we see that. The problem is, guys, is the disciples, guys, they suffered from blindness. You go, why? From theological ineptness. It was their understanding that the man was born blind because of his sins or somebody else's sins. They missed the boat. Why? Because they now have judged something that they didn't even know is true. They're judging, right? We have a tendency to judge as well about people who are sick, physically challenged or abnormal. We wonder, what do they do as a result of some imperfection? Or we say their problems are a result of a dysfunctional family they came from. We have a tendency to judge. Over in Ezekiel, it tells us, guys, that every person is responsible for their own sins. Every person. A parent is not responsible for the sins of their kids, and their kids' sins are not going to be put on the parents. Jesus, right here, he denied both possibilities, right? Let's look at verse 3. Jesus answered, and he said this, Neither this man nor his parents have sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now, what we need to understand is that we're all sinners. Amen? We don't do it on purpose. Sometimes we do, but we most generally don't do it on purpose, but we're sinners. Now, when he's talking about sinned, it means this this part of a lifestyle, this habitual sin. And he says, neither did this man sin, nor his parents. Well, Jesus, what's what's up? He said, but here's the reason, that the works of God should be revealed in him. You go, what are you saying? You ready? Here's what he's saying. That the glory revealed in this man for such a time like this. The Lord wants us to see his glory. And he created an incredible, beautiful, marvelous, expanding universe to proclaim his glory. And then he gave us Jesus Christ to reveal himself to us. He doesn't withdraw himself. He doesn't cover himself or hide. He's bringing a revelation of his glory throughout his creation. He will be seen in all the earth. This is the beauty of the gospel message. You go, what's that? 
the reason this man is here at this time is so that we could see God's glory. You know, Ben, I'm kind of confused. Remember, Josh, John is giving us a snapshot real quick. I think of Moses. Do you guys remember Moses when he was up on Mount Sinai? What did he say? Lord, show me your, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Listen, as, as image bearers of God, I too desire to see God's glory from time to time. But sometimes when I, when, when I get so busy, I miss the glory of the Lord. You go, well, how so? You know when the glory of the Lord happens is when somebody gives their lives to Jesus or when somebody is just being used in an amazing way. We go, wow, why? Because we know everybody. We go, wow, that must be God. Show me your glory. Lord, look at that. Watch the works that he does. Look at verse 4. He says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it's still day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, Jesus says, God's going to be glorified, but let me give you some more information. Don't you just love that about Jesus? He doesn't just leave us. He says, okay, now here's, here he is. He says, he corrects the guys. But then he gives us to insight on what's going to happen in the future. You go, what's that? He says, as long as it's day, we got to keep doing the work of the Father. But night is coming when no one can work. Jesus says this. I want you to catch it, guys. I want you to see. It's so important. Look at verse 5 with me. Underline it. He says, "As as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Here's the question you got to ask yourself. Is Jesus still in the world? You go, that's a trick question. No, no, is Jesus physically in the world? You say, no, pastor, he's not. After Easter, 50 days later, he what? He ascended to heaven. Jesus just told us in this verse that while he's in the world, he is the light of the world. And so now we're going, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's going on? He says, let me let you on in a little future. You go, what's that? He said, I'm not in the world but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave you guys to be mirrors to reflect the light. As a matter of fact, you go give me scripture verse, Matthew chapter 5, 14 and 15. Jesus says to you and I, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Well, you go, I thought he was the light of the world. Well, simply you're a mirror. You should be reflecting that light. Everybody's seen a mirror before, right? You know what a mirror looks like. Have you ever thought about a mirror? Um, all a mirror does is reflect the light and then just, that's all. That's all, it's all. If you look at your image, it's going to reflect who you are. The mirror never says, oh, let me take this image, let me distort it, let me make it what I want it to be, and then let me shoot it to you how I think it should look. Right? Now, we would like that mirror sometimes when we look in our face and we go, is that really what I look like? And the mirror's like, no, hang on. Right? Let me change a little bit. Let me get the bags under our eyes out and some wrinkles. And Oh, wait, that's Photoshop. That's not a mirror. Sorry. Okay, so hold on. Hold on. But the mirror just does exactly. It's going to reflect who. And that's exactly who we are. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to reflect who he, he is straight across. Let's not take the message and distort it. Let's not take the message of the light and, and make it what we think it should be. Let's not put burdens on people that shouldn't be there. You need to do this. You need to do this. If you're going to be saved, you need to do this. We shouldn't do that. What we should do is simply reflect the word of God. 
That's what he's saying. He says, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, put it on a lampstand, or give light to all who comes in the house. Now let's take this into consideration. The reason things seem dark in our world, I wonder if we're not doing our job reflecting his light. Could you imagine if every believer in Jesus simply reflected the light of Christ, how we could change our world? But what do we do? What do we do, church? We take the light, we hold it, we change it, we, we, we misinterpret it, and then as we put it out, people go, that's not Christianity. Why are you, why are you not standing up for this? Why are you not, you're falling for this? What's going on? Well, I'm a believer, but, and again, this is what we're talking about. What does God want us to do? He wants us to take this and simply reflect it to other people. That's all. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. Do you guys realize you're a wretch? Do you realize? I'm a wretch. Save me. Because you guys know why? I once was lost. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I once was blind, now I see. And all I want to do, and he's saying, listen, just reflect that. Just reflect that. Guys, you want you want light in your house with your family, your kids? Just reflect the light of Jesus. Just reflect the light of Jesus. Maybe we should come up with a with a, another little right a little band that says "Reflect the light of Jesus." Right? Instead of "What would Jesus do?" Just reflect His light. Hey, you're going to watch the television show? Let me reflect the light of Jesus. You know, I mean, we just just need to focus on that. Well, think about this. While he's speaking these words, notice what he does. Verse 6. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind men with clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is transmitted scent. So he went, washed, and he came back seeing. Now, this to me is just outrageous. I mean, seriously, while Jesus is talking, he goes, in my mind, I'm thinking, how much spit did he need? First of all, and then I'm wondering, if I was the blind dude, I'd be going, what's he doing? What's he doing, Paul? What's he doing? Dude, he's spitting. He's spitting. What? What's he going to do with that? And he's making mud. And he's making, I mean... He's making mud, but and I'm, I mean, think you come on, not just me. All of you are thinking, what would I mean? You'd be like, nah, I just, I just accept it. No, I mean, he's, he's making, he's making mud with his spit. Now, here's the thing: today, if my Jesus walked in here and made mud with his spit, I'd take it. Amen. But, but this guy doesn't know Jesus. It just there's a guy going. Hey, he's a blind man. Look at that. Is this who sinned? He's probably sitting there going, why are you talking about me? Okay, right? And so he does this. And then he says something crazy. You go, why? He tells the dude who is blind, now he's got spit and mud and dirt in his eyes. And I'm thinking, with his eyes open? Because, you know, have you ever got a piece of 
of, uh, 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 you know, like a little rock in your eye or something. It's annoying. So he probably had his eyes closed. And then he tells him, listen, go wash at the Pool of Siloam. You go, what was that? Think about this. It was about 500 yards from where they were. He's blind. Jesus, what are you doing? What are you, what are you, what are you doing, Lord? Now, this guy's used to getting around, okay? But I want you to see his heart. And I want you to compare his heart to your heart. Why? Because if you want your vision restored, you have to obey the Lord. You have to obey the Lord. No matter how crazy it seems. This whole thing is crazy. Why? Because we know our Jesus could have said, you want to see? Yes, sir. See. You're healed. That's all he had to do. But instead, Jesus goes, here you go. Here you go. Now, that's not enough. Go go to the pool of Siloam. How far is that? That's about five football fields that way. You'll, You'll be all right. Right? Think about what people are saying. Let's just say he had, let's just say he had one of those sticks. Okay? Now he's walking, but he's got mud on his eyes. And people are like, what, 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 that guy's crazy. Aren't we crazy? Should we not be crazy for the Lord? What, what, what's our core values? Love God, love people, live radically. That's what it means. And Jesus says, listen, I'm going to put some, I'm going to put some, I'm going to put some mud in your eyes, but you're going to see after this. You should just go, Amen. But we worry too much about what other people will think. Did you see what they posted on me on Facebook? They posted that I had mud in my eyes. Did you see? Did you see they made, you know what, that Jesus, he made me walk 500 yards. Why didn't he just heal me? I don't know. I don't believe. You see, we're worried about what other people think when we should only be worried about what Jesus thinks. And, and so again, notice what he says, guys. Notice what he says. He says, go, go. Now, the problem is, is, well, not the problem. The solution is he goes, and then he comes back seeing. He can see. And this is just like, wow, right? He had been blind where? From birth, guys. Now he can see. Now he can see. Which leads us to the second group, right? The second group. Jot this down, the neighbors. They were blinded by denial. Look at, look at verse 8. Therefore, the neighbors, okay, everybody see that? There's the neighbors, and those who had previously seen that he was born blind, notice what their convo is. This is their conversation. Is this not he who sat and begged? Isn't that that the dude who was blind? I think that's him, right? Others said, this is he. And others thought, no, I think it looks like him. You know what? And he says, guys, it's me. I am he. I am he. Therefore, they said to him, well, how did your eyes get opened? And he answered and he said, a man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and he said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and my sight came back. Then they said to him, where is he? And he's like, I don't know. You go, why is this interesting, guys? I want you to see the heart of the neighbors. Here's a man who's been born blind from birth. He's been, he's been blind from birth, born blind. Okay? We don't know how old he is, but now Jesus says, 
go do this, go do this. The man does it in complete obedience. And you know what the neighbors say? How are your eyes opened? What happened? You go, Ben, time out, bro. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that in its proper place. Right? When something good, something beautiful happens to a brother or sister, our first reaction shouldn't be, well, tell us, tell us how it happened. What's going on? Is this the one? We should be rejoicing. Are you serious? You can see? Are you sure? Wow, what a miracle. That's amazing. Praise the Lord. Oh, man, that's awesome. You can see. Oh, your life is going to change. I'm so happy for you. Listen, we live in such a negative world, guys. We live in such a... When something good happens, we want to find out who did it, how it happened. We don't believe it until we know the facts. Give me just the facts. We need to live in positive world. You were... You got saved? You got saved, right? You, you were once blind? Praise God. Well, I don't believe she's saved because I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if she's really saved because you know what I saw her doing? Why? Why? Here, here's what's going on. You guys ready? Because the neighbors were blinded by denial. Denial is a form of blindness when we're not willing, willing to see what's real. Denial is essentially disbelief. In psychology, listen, denial is a defense mechanism. It enables folks to resist change. It's a coping tool that people use to reject the truth, either about themselves or about someone else. That's what denial is. We call them, listen, we're supposed to be mirrors. We're supposed to be reflectors. These people are nothing but deflectors. Okay? They're deflecting the truth in denial because they don't want to believe. They don't want to believe. Denial is what keeps people from seeing Jesus and who he really is. You go, well, who is he? Well, we know him as the Son of God, our Savior, our Lord, and our Master. Well, guys, we've come to the end of our study. Next week, we're going to see the reaction from the other groups. We're going to see the reaction from the Pharisees, okay? We still got to deal with them. You go, well, what's the, what did they suffer from? Well, they suffered from the blindness of righteous indignation. They're not going to see because they're going to think they're righteous. They're self-righteous. Okay? Same guy. Same guy who is blind. But now he can see. Then And then, guys, check it out. We're going to meet the man's parents. The man's parents. I want you to think about this for just a moment. Here's this little baby. Oh, look at little baby. I don't think he can see. I think he's blind. Oh, but he's so cute. You know, he is blind. He can't see. What would you do, mama? What would you do, dad? Here's your baby. Now he's a grown man. He can see. He can see by Jesus. What is this going to lead to? Well, physical sight is going to lead to spiritual sight because the man is going to know who Jesus is. Can I get an amen? How would you react? Well, the parents we're going to see are going to be what? They're going to suffer from blindness of selfishness. Why? They're going to be more afraid to be kicked out of church 
than they are to rejoice that their kid can see. So many times, guys, people get comfortable in... They get too comfortable in life. They get too comfortable in their misery. They get too comfortable in whatever it is. And guess what? They don't want things to change. So they're going to have some spiritual blindness based on selfishness. I, I don't know what would change in the parent's life. Their, their boy can see. Except that the Pharisees are going to give them a rash. And we're going to be excommunicated from the synagogue. Do you see what Jesus did? He ruined everything. And then we're going to see the crowd. You go, the crowd? Yeah. They suffered from the blindness of rejection. They suffered from the blindness of rejection. Well, I don't have time to get into that. So let's close with this. If you're here today, and and I know my people pretty well, but maybe you're listening by radio or by podcast, are you still spiritually blind is the question. Are you still spiritually blind? You see, sometimes we can be blind by theological ineptness. Jesus, who sinned? Or we can be blind like the neighbors of denial. You see, if I deny who Jesus is, then my life doesn't have to change. You've heard that, right? I've heard so many people who go, man, I don't know. If I give my life to Jesus, everything's going to change. Yeah, it's going to change for the better. You're going to have joy and you're going to have peace. So you're telling me if I give my life to Jesus, my life is going to be amazing. I'm going to give everything I've ever wanted. No, no, no. That's not the gospel. Because life is still hard at times. But now you have the God that created you walking with you every single day. And in those days when you feel like you just can't go on, he steps up and he says, I'm right here with you. I'm right here with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And the Bible says that, that, guys, this, the suffering in this present age is nothing compared to the glory we're going to see. I've got to hold on to hope. The suffering down here is nothing compared to what I'm going to see when I get there. Are you here and have you had your vision restored? You go, well, what do you mean? If you're spiritually blind, let me just say this. You've only been born once. If you've had your vision restored, you've been born twice. That's the question. Isn't that the question? How many times have you been born, really? You go, well, that's weird. I've been born twice. I was born physically, and then I was born again by the Spirit of God. That's the difference. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We love you so much. We thank you, God, that we can, we can just study. We thank you for allowing us to be there. We look forward to next week, guys, because you're going to just continue to reveal your heart to us. Search our hearts. Guide us. We love you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. 
I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.